Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. All right, beloved of God, learning is the way of God. Learning is the way of God. According to the Eberly Center on Teaching Excellence and Education and Innovation at the Carnegie Mellon University, effective teaching involves aligning the three major components of instruction. Those are learning objectives, assessments, and instructional activities. The, the learning objection, uh, objectives help us to articulate what the expected outcomes are to be, the, the knowledge base or the skill set that when a student has completed whatever course or class it may be, it, it just clearly communicates what we expect they should learn from the experience. When we think about assessments, assessment is nothing more than a than a measurement tool that helps us to gauge progress, to help us to see whether or not we're learning and to what level of understanding we may have achieved or even mastered whatever the content might be. And then thirdly, uh, it is instructional activities. This, this is where we allow for engagement through praxis. This is where we put these things to the test uh, to not only have knowledge, but to see how it works out or even how it lives out in real life. So beloved of God, unless we establish a standard or establish an expectation, unless testing is allowed, and if there's no opportunity to illustrate uh, learning or lessons learned, then we're going to find it challenging, beloved of God, for us to be able to grow in the way and the will of Jesus Christ. If we are going to grow in Christ, then there must be learning objectives. There's got to be a clear expectation of what we're going to be or what we're going to grow into. And then also there, there must be some type of an assessment. There's got to be a test or a testing. And then there's got to be instructional, instructional activities where we live out or act out uh, the things that we have learned. So when we're thinking about life in and of itself, life is a journey. And it's been said that, that life is full of learning and learning is full of life. That if we're going to grow, if we're going to expand as people, we have to keep on learning. I've also heard it said that when you stop learning, you stop living. Conversely, we can also say if you keep on learning, you keep on living. So, so we, we've got to understand that as disciples of Christ, and maybe you're a non-believer on today, if you're going to be a disciple of Christ, it doesn't mean you know everything, but what it means is you're in a lifelong learning process. And at the end of this process, what the Bible says is when the Lord shall appear, that we shall be like him. So that's the expectation. The testing are the trials that we go through in life. And then the learning activities are those experiences where we just, we fall down, we get up and we try, we start all over again. So when we're thinking about learning and we're thinking about growing, I want you to think about when you were a child. I want you to think about that when we were children, uh, we, we went through a learning process. We went through a learning process and as we were growing and as we were learning in school, uh, uh, they taught us to 
celebrate our our testing. So, you know, if you did well on the test, they would they would put a smiley face on your paper or star. And we were taught to celebrate uh, whenever we are in that growing or that learning mode. But but if if we did not perform well, our parents would get involved uh, because it's our parents' place to make sure we're learning as we're supposed to, that we're developing in the way we're supposed to develop. And if our parents alone could not help us, then we would find a tutor or additional instructors to help us in our learning process. But we were taught to, to, to celebrate learning and something happens as we begin to grow, as we begin to develop, uh, learning becomes more difficult. But here's what, what I think the reason is for that. I believe learning becomes more difficult because the stakes are higher. There's not as much room for error. There's not as much room for mistake. And even greater than that, it's hard to celebrate while you're still going through things. And so when, when we think about being born again believers, when we think about growing and developing, the, the point I'm trying to convey on today is that if we're going to be who God wants us to be, we must learn. We must continuously learn. And the beautiful thing about life is that God is always using life to teach us. Uh, again, I know that the stakes are so much higher as we begin to age. But again, beloved of God, the expected outcome is that we're going to be like Christ. And in order to get there, there's got to be an assessment. There's got to be a test along the way, and there's got to be some learning activities that after the test that prove that we're still progressing. Now, now this is what the Bible says uh, as it relates to learning and growth. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, uh, which is known as the Shema, says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord uh, is the Lord. The Lord is one. Let me start again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Now listen to verse seven. Listen to verse seven. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. So what Deuteronomy is teaching us there is that we are all in a process. Not only are we learning, but there's a godly expectation that we're going to teach somebody else. And we don't just teach them to tell them what to do, but as we go through life, we continue to share and we teach and we learn from each other. Let me give you a New Testament illustration uh, from 2 Timothy 2 verses 1 through 2. This is what Paul says to his mentee, Timothy. He says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have, you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Beloved, that is so important. Paul is saying to Timothy that everything you've learned interacting with me and everything that you've learned outside of my presence that I've taught to other people, he says, look, I want you to not only know it, 
but I want you to be able to teach it to other people. So this lifelong learning process, we see throughout scripture that we're not just to learn once. And if we're truly learning, there's got to be a test. There's got to be an evaluation. There's got to be something that measures whether or not we're learning the things that we are supposed to love, learning the things we're supposed to learn. Beloved, teaching is the way of God. Learning is God's primary means of spiritual growth and development. It's not that you look spiritual. It's not that you say you've grown, but God assesses your growth throughout life. And as you grow in life, you will continue to learn. This is what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, watch this, let him deny himself and take up his cross and take up his cross daily and follow me. Beloved of God, life is about living and living is about life and it's all a learning process. And so when we look at our passage of scripture on today, I want you to see Mark chapter four as an incubator of learning that if you read through Mark chapter four with a learning lens on, you will see that the entire chapter is God teaching us about relation with him and how to live in the earth based upon what we learn of him. Chapter four is all about learning. Every parable you read, every explanation of the parable, it is all about God's expectation of how we should live. So even from the onset of the text, you see Jesus is in a teaching mode. As he begins to teach all the way to the last verse, Jesus is in this teaching mode. And in the beginning of chapter four, as he begins to teach, beloved of God, you will see him seeing that the crowd is growing. And so Jesus moves so that everybody could see him. He, he repositions himself, watch this, so no one would be blocked from view of him, nor would they be distracted by the people who were around them. So Jesus literally gets on a boat. He gets to a place, an elevated place, in enough of a distance so people could learn him. The best way to understand Jesus, beloved, is to see him as he talks. I mean this in a spiritual sense. So often we want to understand Jesus, we want to understand the Bible in a physical or natural sense, and it's understandable because we are physical beings, right? But greater than that, the best way for you to comprehend Christ is to see him spiritually. And as Jesus moves himself in the natural, he moves himself in the natural that people might be able to perceive him spiritually. And I'm going to prove that as we walk through the text. Beloved, if you're going to be able to understand Jesus, you've got to be able to see him and understand him as Savior. You, you, it's going to be hard to understand Christ if you're only looking at him as being a good man or even being a good teacher. Now, when they referred to him as teacher, when the storm was there, it, it wasn't that general word teacher like we use, but it's that word master teacher or, or rabbi. They were acknowledging him as being a spiritual leader. But beloved of God, 
if you want to know God, you got to know God in his essence. If you're going to know God in his essence, this is what God says about himself, that I am a spirit and they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. So when Jesus backs away from the, sh in the, the shore in the natural, we've got to now transition from a natural view to a spiritual view. Because again, Jesus wanted people to see him as the Christ. Even though the day for his death had not arrived, he was in teacher mode. Somebody say teacher mode. He was in teacher mode because he knows that learning is the way of God. And if you're going to be what God wants you to be, then you must be about learning. But Mark chapter four is all about learning, all about learning. So I'm going to quickly take you through the text, but I'm going to dig down uh, into the scripture I read beginning at verse 35. But I want to show you some of the lessons that are in Mark chapter 4. First of all, verses 1 through 9, we see the lesson of the parable of the sower. And when we read the parable of the sower, we know that the seed that's spoken of there is the word of God. And the ground or the soil are people or the souls of people and our responsiveness to the gospel. So with the seed there, I don't want you to think of it being like this, this, this book of the word, but it's our response to the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? It is the, the immaculate birth, the miraculous life, the incredible death, and the improbable resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the totality of Christ. That is the gospel, the good news. And so we see that parable of the sower, but I want you to notice how Christ ends the parable, not only here, but several times in this passage, he says this, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, they're already listening. So that tells you right there that it's got to be deeper than natural hearing. I hope, I hope you're with me this morning. It's deeper than the natural ear's ability to work in nature and hear, but it's spiritually that Christ is saying, I'm speaking of a spiritual truth, but I'm using a natural process that I know that you understand. Now, in, in verses 10 through 12, we have the lesson on the purpose of parable, the lesson of the purpose of parables. Now, this is a private lesson that Jesus did for the 12 is what we believe. We believe it was just those initial followers of Christ were here. But there's a very controversial statement in verse 12 with, with the tenet that I'm teaching from that chapter four is all about learning. Something is said in verse 12 that may, may sound a little controversial to you. This is what verse 12 says. So that seeing they may see not, that, I'm sorry, seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Now, now, if it's salvation that he's wanting to learn, if, if what I'm teaching is correct, that sounds like it's, it's the opposite. So that seeing they may see and not perceive. That means they won't even understand what they're seeing. And they may hear, 
but they won't even understand, like he's talking a foreign language. And so as you read that, it may sound like, well, Jesus said, I want you to see me, but not see me. And I want you to hear me, but I don't want you to understand me. That's not what he's saying. What Christ is saying here is you can't see me just in my natural form. You need, you need my natural form to see me, but don't just see my natural form. He's saying that, that, that you can't just see me and really understand who I am. Don't, don't be limited by the physical or fleshly body. And he's saying, and even as I speak, don't just listen with your natural ear, but you got to have a spiritual ear. This is talking about God revealing himself to humanity. Uh, and those who refuse to see him as God and only want to see him as a man in the flesh, there's no way they'll understand. That's why so many people don't understand scripture is because they're trying to understand it from a natural perspective. And so what Christ is saying right here in teaching this parable is he's saying, if you're going to listen, if you're going to look, you got to see me in my deity. You've got to see me as God in flesh. You can't just see me as a form of entertainment that's something fun to watch or something fun to listen to. And it's amazing how often we can come to church and enjoy the choir or enjoy other activities in church. Uh, I remember I was I was uh, serving at a church and I had a brother that was coming faithfully. And one Sunday after church, he and I broke into conversation and we were talking back and forth. And I was asking, you know, about his walk with the Lord and how long he know Jesus Christ. And he said, I don't believe in Jesus. He said, I don't believe in God. I just like to sing it. And I like people. You'll be amazed how many people are coming to church just because it's something that makes them feel better and they want to be around people. But you'll never understand God when you only try to understand him from a fleshly perspective. All right. So we got to make sure that we're trying to see God as Christ and not just see him in the flesh. So, so if people don't want to see God in Christ, it'll be impossible to see God when he reveals himself, and it'll be impossible to hear God when he speaks. You won't be able to hear him clearly. Uh, it's kind of like the vernacular uh, of the day when you hear people say, you hear what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know, what they're basically saying is, I know I'm saying things, but I want to make sure you really understand what I mean by what I'm saying. This, this is Jesus saying, uh, you hear me? You feel me? Wanted to make sure that people are fully understanding his deity and who he is as the son of the living God. So the, the next lesson we see is uh, in verses 21 through 35. And this is the lessons of the lamp under a basket. The lesson of the lamp under a basket in verses 21 through 25. And it's telling us here that there's absolutely nothing hidden that will not be revealed. There, there's nothing that will be kept secret that, that once it's exposed to light. And so it's saying to the disciples, listen, you, you're spending intimate time with me and you can't hide your light. And what Jesus is saying to them right here is if you won't tell it, somebody else will. Jesus is making clear to them and to us that if, if you won't allow me to be Christ and you won't tell somebody else my story, there is somebody else who will. Jesus is saying, you can't hide this light. It's not meant to be kept to yourself. So beloved of God, when you learn, it can't just be you learning for yourself, but you're learning so you can share with someone else. Now, hear me good. There's a difference between learning to share with somebody and trying to tell somebody. 
And so it's not so much so you can tell somebody what to do and what not to do, but so you can learn and so you can lead others with your life. So he said, look, it can't be hidden. And even though you're getting this intimate time with me, I want you to know that once my light shines on you, I have an expectation that as you learn, you're going to share that learning with other people. I hope this is, is blessing somebody this morning. Just, just a little practical teaching, just a little practical teaching to help us uh, uh, as we uh, go through these next few days in life. The next thing we see is uh, our verses 26 through 29 is the lesson of the seed growing. The lesson of the seed growing and that that the kingdom of God is as a man would scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and arise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. Now, beloved, this is talking about uh, us just expecting uh, God to do everything that we just leave stuff to chance. We don't discipline ourselves. We don't practice spiritual discipline. We don't fast. We don't pray. We don't meditate. We don't read the word. You know, we don't do some of those basic principles of Christianity and we just expect that it's going to grow. Here's the bad part is when God brings growth in your life that you didn't sow into for yourself, God gets glory and you get heartache. I'm teaching to somebody this morning. If God is growing through you and you're just on autopilot, you got it on cruise control, God will get glory out of you. Somebody else will get blessed and all you'll have to show is heartache. And so God doesn't want us just to go through life and stuff happens and we're just like, oh, well, or, or we say stuff we don't mean like, oh, God did it. Well, God knows whether or not you mean that sincerely or not. And so we, we start to grasp this thing. So when it's talking about, you know, the stages of life and how we go from this stage to this stage, it's illustrating that eventually there's going to be an end. So that sickle there, that sickle that it speaks of uh, in verses 28 or 29 is, is the transition. It's the separation where we move from this life to the next life. So it's letting us know that we do have a time to grow and a time to develop. And then there's going to be a time that this body is going to be taken uh, one way and the spirit of ours, this soul is going to go a different way. So we can't just haphazardly allow ourselves to grow, but we have to grow on purpose. The, the next lesson we see, the next lesson we see uh, is the lesson of the mustard seed verses 30 through 34. And I know that you, you know that very well and that mustard seed being one of the smallest seeds, but here Jesus is illustrating his ministry and how his ministry is starting out as one person and how he is one person went and got a one here and got two there and got one there and one there. And then those started to beget other disciples or other followers. He's saying, look, that's my ministry. My ministry starts out really, really tiny and small. One person out of maybe a billion people, I don't know how many people were in the world uh, at the time of Christ, but let's just say there were a billion people, or if it makes you feel better, a uh, hundred million people. Let's say there's a hundred million people at the time when Christ walked the earth. He's saying, look, one person out of a hundred million, that's tiny, that's infinite. You can't even measure one person. But he's saying, just like the mustard seed, when it grows and it sprouts, it becomes one of the biggest, most vibrant of all of the small vine branches that grow. He's saying, that's my ministry. It's going to start with one person, me, that I am the gospel, and I'm going to teach 
myself to other people, they will learn of me and they will teach other people. So we start to see this momentum growing in the text. If you're watching, that learning is the way of God. And so he said, that's going to happen. My ministry is going to blossom. It's going to grow. Listen, beloved of God, your, your ministry may not be exploding. Your ministry may not be going through the roof right now, but despise not, you know, we, we quote that, despise not small beginnings, the day of small beginnings. Beloved, that, that's the way Jesus started his ministry. So what better way to start? You, maybe you're that person that God has inspired you to start a business and you've been trying to do it. And, and you know, all you got is a handful of customers and you still got to work your job. Job, work your job and work your business because God is going to work out what he wants to work out. But he's saying, listen, just as I started small and my ministry will be one of the greatest ever, God's saying, I do that same thing through you. If you're walking in your calling, if you're walking in your ministry, and I don't mean preaching, I mean, you're being the disciple of Christ, you're learning, you're growing, you're spending time with Christ. God will make things blossom in your life. Amen. All right. Let me let me hasten on. Let me hasten on. I want to share with you now. Now we're down uh, to the storm on the water. Y'all know that song. There's a storm out on the ocean and it's moving this way. If your soul's not anchored in Jesus, you will surely drift away. Well, well, now they're they're in a storm and and this is an extremely rich text extremely rich text and and I'm not 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 trying to act like I'm doing this deep in-depth teaching on today but I'm just trying to give you some practical lessons but you can easily spend I don't know three four sermons really expounding on everything that's in verses 35 through 41 I mean easily you could take each individual verse almost now you got to be careful that you don't eisegete the text. You don't, you don't want to just grab a single verse and say, it says this apart from everything else around it. You want to be careful, but, but a, a good toolsman could take one verse and, and literally preach an individual sermon out of each one. That's how deep verses 35 through 41 are. So, so, when we look here and, and, and we and I, I present to you now this this lesson on the water, this lesson on the water, I want to, to share with you some principles to live by. Since since my 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 thesis on today is that God is a, a God of learning and learning is God's way. Um, I, I want to share with you some principles to live by uh, coming directly, directly from uh, this text, this text. So, so, so let me, if you don't mind, let me read verses 35 through, um, uh, 41 again. I just want to refresh it in our minds so that I can go back through this. Now, what I want you to do after the teaching today is I want you to go back and I want you to read all of chapter six, read all of chapter six with the lens of learning. And I, I think you'll, you'll catch what I'm, what I'm trying to, to share with you. Okay. So verses 35 again says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. We can stop right there. We literally can stop right there. There's so much just in that little bit. Verse 36, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Now, that, that I'm gonna come I'm gonna come back to that, but I, I that that just jumped all over me. They took him as he was. What does that mean? All right, and other little boats were also with him, and a great 
windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Doesn't that sound like us? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Verse 41 and last, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? All right, so, so here, here are uh, some principles that I want to share with you that I believe uh, God will use to, to help you in your learning process. All right, the first thing is that intentional teaching requires intentional learners. Intentional teaching requires intentional learners. I'll say it one more time. Intentional teaching requires intentional learners. So it says, uh, on the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. So now they're at the close of the day. And, and it's not a strange thing for fishermen to get on a boat and to sail at night. That, that's not odd. That's not strange at all. But what Jesus knew that they did not know is that all they had experienced was about to be tested. Because on the other side of the water, there was a demon-possessed man that had they not understood that Jesus was the Christ, when they encountered the demon-possessed man, they would have run. They would have misunderstood the moment. Beloved, he said, you got to learn this on purpose. You got to learn me. You got to know me because there's ministry waiting on the other side. And when you get there, you can't feel your way through it. You can't figure it out when you get there. He's saying, you got to know me. So when you're confronted with the test, you won't be blown over when the winds blow hard. At the end of the day, they're probably tired. Come on, talk back to me. At the end of the day, they're probably physically exhausted. Yet here comes a test. And watch this really closely. This is a test before the real test. Because with this test, Jesus is on the boat with them. When they got off the boat, they wouldn't have been walking in a single file line. They would have seen the demon-possessed man individually. And if they were not ready, it would have disrupted the testimony. On the other side, you had people that needed to hear the gospel. But hear me good, saints. In order for the Gardenians to hear the gospel, the disciples had to know Christ for themselves. So it takes intentional learners to capture an intentional teacher. Jesus was an intentional teacher. He always taught them to understand who he was. Remember when they finally got that he was about to, to transition from life and he said, look, I've got to leave this, but i got to leave so life will be better for you. Remember they started arguing once they finally got it. Can I take your place? Can I sit where you sit? And Jesus knew they still, they still don't have it. We have to be intentional learners. Storms will come. 
And this storm, beloved of God, I want you to understand this storm here was again to reveal who Christ was. It was not an unusual thing for there to be a storm on, on this particular Sea of Galilee. I want you to understand the Sea of Galilee is only 13 miles long, but, but it sits, it sits in a valley. It's actually 680 feet below sea level. It sits down in a valley. It's, it's a very deep body of water, but I want you to understand this, that it was not unusual for winds to come through tempest winds, as we might call them, and a storm come out of nowhere. Here's what I want you to capture out of this. Since it's not unusual for storms to come, when the storm does come, it should prove who Christ is. When storms come in our life, it shouldn't make us question his deity. It should confirm his deity that he is the one true and living God. And in our life, we live below sea level, not, above, not below where God can't see us, but we live below the level and storms will come. And this is why you must be an intentional learner because the storm you're in should reveal his deity because watch this, you got to get off the boat. No, staying on the boat is not an option. So when you get off the boat, ministry awaits. So you must be an intentional learner. Now, I, I cannot imagine what it felt like. I, I'm sure they were talking to each other and trying to figure out what do we do next. And somebody ha had enough wherewithal, enough courage to go down there and get Jesus. Now, that's a whole nother sermon. But I do, I do want to point you very quickly back at the text where it says, and there were other little boats with him other little ships there. So there were, there were other people on the journey. Who's in your drift tide? Who are the people that are floating in, in the, in the, in the, the what do you call the, the, um, when the waves are kind of crashing and, and, and coming together? I think y'all know what I'm talking about, but, but, but who's in your breakwater? Who, who's in that space that your boat is clearing? And because you're clearing the space, it makes them easier for them to travel the journey. That's why God wants you to be an intentional learner because somebody's boat is hitched in your direction and they're following your lead. The second thing, the second principle I want to share with you is learn to accept Jesus for who he is. Learn to accept Jesus for who he is. I know that sounds very simple, but verse 36, it says they took him as he was. This thing hit me like a lightning bolt. They took him as he was, which means even though they were going to do ministry somewhere else, they didn't pretty Jesus up so he'd be more acceptable. They didn't tell him that when we go over here, there's certain words you can't say or certain things that are off limits. They took him as he was. And sometimes, beloved of God, I believe that we are guilty of trying to pretty Christ up so nobody will be offended, so nobody will be hurt. Well, if you read the book, Christ says you're going to be offended. And so we can't wash him down. We can't make Jesus more palatable for people. They took him as he was. And if you're going to be saved, you're going to have to take him for who he is. He is God in flesh. He's not a strong prophet. He's not just a teacher. He is God in flesh, the sacrifice, the lamb of God who was sent into the world to die for our sins, to give us not only forgiveness of sins, but to reconcile relationship with God. And thereby we are kept 
kept in the present and prepared for eternity. You got to accept Christ for who he is. They didn't try to dress him up or say, look, when you go over here, you got to wear a suit. I remember I was sitting in an associational meeting one time and, and this very well-meaning sister said, well, we got to teach these young people to wear suits because we know God wants to see us in our Sunday best. And I sat there as long as I could and I just couldn't sit anymore. I said, who determines what your Sunday best is? And she said, well, your suit and your tie. I said, that's your best. How do you know what somebody else's best is that God did for them? Beloved of God, God doesn't care if you have on a suit, a dress, a tie, a hat, a, a lapel pin. He could care less. What God wants is for you to understand who Christ is personally to accept him just as he is. Don't, don't think that God's going to bend and flex. He's already been bruised and broken for our iniquity. He's not going to be bent any further. So we got to accept him as he is on his terms, not our own. You ever barred it with God and say, God, you do this for me. I'll do that for you. No, you accept God on his terms and what God says for us to do that we must do. Amen. I, I hope, I hope this is blessing somebody. I, I know I'm not I'm not, I'm not uh, hooping or humming or anything, but I, I hope this is blessing somebody. The third thing, the third thing that, that I want to give you, the third principle is that learning happens in still places. Mm -hmm. Learning happens in still places. It says, then he arose and rebuked the winds and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Okay. Lean, lean, lean in with me right here. I want you to notice that before he rebuked them, he rebuked the elements. What Christ understood right here is that fear can dilute our faith. And that if he didn't cause there to be a stillness, the disciples wouldn't have been able to hear him. Beloved, learning happens in still places. It's good to come to church and dance. It's good to have a shout. It's good to cry out in the name of the Lord. But learning happens in still places. Remember what David said? He leads me beside the still waters. You know, that's a that's an illustration that, that sheep are, are very fearful animals and that if there's too many ripples in the water that the sheep won't drink. It happens in the still places. And if we're if we're honest, some of us don't like when it's quiet. Some of us don't like when it's still, but learning happens in the still places. Christ understood that the only way they were going to be able to hear him next is he had to make a still moment happen. Hear me good, beloved of God. God may not take you out of the sea but he'll calm the situation. It won't change overnight. I'm not saying to you that, that, that you're going to be sick and overnight you're going to get well. That may happen, but that's not what I'm telling you. What I am telling you is that God will prove to you he will quiet down your situation so you can hear in your inner person that God is speaking. That even in the midst of sickness, in the middle of a divorce, in the middle of a layoff, in the middle of a bankruptcy, that God can still speak. Let me, let me get real. Even 
in the middle of a riot on a Capitol building. There was a person that I read about that in the middle of that siege, that attack on the state Capitol, and no matter how politicians try to clean it up, that was an attack on our democracy. But there was one person I read about that said they were in the crowd and they were in the surge and they were going for it and something convicted them. That was the Lord. That was a stealing moment where God called things to calm down. Hear me good, beloved of God. What you hear will inform what you rely on. Yeah, what you hear informs what you rely on. You, you ever had... Uh, your parents or your spouse uh, come to you while you're watching a, a program, something on TV, or, or you're reading a book and you're at a good part and they're, they're like calling you and you're, you're kind of like, uh, huh, huh, huh. You, you can't look away from what you're looking at, and but you're trying to still connect with them at the same time. And they're like, are you listening to me? I'm talking to some spouse out there that knows what I'm talking about. So, so, so listen, God understands that what, what, what gets your attention that's what you're going to listen to. That's what you're going to listen to is whatever is informing you. And so God has to sometimes steal us so, excuse me, so that we can capture the moment and what God is doing in our lives. Beloved, the last thing, the final thing, the final thing that I want to share with you is that we must learn to make fear obey our faith. We must learn to make fear obey our faith, that in verses 40 and 41, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, he didn't say they had a little faith. He said no faith. Listen to verse 41. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Learn to make your fear obey your faith. The lesson the disciples learned is the elements that support us rely on God. Did, did you hear me? The elements, we need the wind, we need water. The elements that support us rely on God. Beloved of God, you got to learn to make your fear obey your faith. They were mesmerized. They were in awe that the elements listened to him. But it wasn't a lesson for the elements. It was a lesson for us that we must make our fear obey our faith and not allow our faith to become obedient to our fears. And if our faith must be obedient to fear, let it be obedient to the fear of God, which the Bible tells us is the beginning of wisdom. Learn to make fear obey your faith. These are just, just four quick lessons from a very deep text. And there is a pun intended there. It's a very deep text. The, the Galilean Sea is deep. But beloved of God, just these four very basic principles that if you begin to think this way that 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 God is about learning and and that God's way is for us to learn and as we learn as we grow life gets fuller 
I remember I had a ministry assistant, one of the most wonderful women of God I've ever known. Her name was Carolyn Ellerby. And Sister Ellerby uh, fought breast cancer twice. First time God brought her through and she was doing marvelously well. And some years later, it came back with a vengeance and she was in her final hours and uh, the family had decided to take her off life support. And the doctors told us, you know, it'd just be a matter of minutes, matter of minutes and she would be gone. But, but she was with us for several hours. And every now and then you would hear her whispering scriptures. She was, she was mouthing the word of God in her final moments because she made her fear obey her faith. She was a woman of intense faith and that faith transitioned her to a permanent place in Christ. Beloved of God, learning is the way of God. And if we're gonna follow him, we must learn. I, I pray I pray today that your heart has been convicted and, and that, that in this moment you hear God clearly speaking to you and you're saying to yourself, God, I wanna learn of you. Remember uh, Luke 9, 23, if anyone's gonna follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and learn of me. That it is a lifelong learning process and as we learn from the lessons in Mark uh, chapter four, as we, as we just slowly walk through Mark chapter four, there is so much for us to learn. And just in one chapter, there's a, there's a life worth of, lifetime worth of learning. And so beloved of God, I, I just, just leave that thought with you that learning is the way of God. Learning is the way of God. And, and on today, I pray you can just start at verse one and see how Jesus intentionally positioned himself where all could see him, where everyone would have an opportunity to see him for who he was spiritually, to understand that he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Before the world became the world we know it today, God had already made up his mind that humanity would fall and that he would send a savior into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Oh, we, we quote John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, you know, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. You know, and you, you'll have everlasting life. And, and we sometimes fail to go to verse 17, that he sent not his son into the world to, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I'm out of time. I, I pray that this word today has blessed your life. I pray that there's some person watching today and you're saying to yourself, I, I, I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus. I, I'm so glad God is conditioning your heart. Listen, I'm going to pray with you but I want to encourage you to reach out to the Tabernacle of Praise family. You can message them right now. You can put something in the chat. You can send them an instant message. Uh, you can send an email. All this information will be made available to you. You can call the church. We want to hear from you. We want to, we want to lead you uh, in prayer and we want to release you 
to where God can connect you to a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, Bible-living church. Tabernacle of Praise is a Bible-teaching, Bible-living church. It's not rhetoric, it's relationship. And so if you're watching on today, I just encourage you, maybe you're already saved, but you're looking for a church home and you're saying, ah, I want to be a part of this experience. Uh, uh, reach out. Again, same vehicles. You can, you can put something in chat. Someone will contact you. You can send an instant message privately. You can send an email. You can call the church, but we want to hear from you. But I want to pray with you today. And then I also want to pray for my beloved brothers and sisters out there who are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, that, that maybe right now you're, there's a sea blowing on your ocean. Maybe you're that person right now that, that you had that question, does God really understand what I'm going through? That's, that's really the foundation of the question when they said, Don't, doesn't he care that we're perishing? Does he understand what I'm going through? Maybe that's you right now. Maybe, maybe you're in the middle of a test and there's got to be a test. There's got to be measurement. I want to pray with you today. I don't know what your test might be, but I do know that he's able to bring you through. So, so bow with me in a moment, a moment of prayer. Father, it's in Jesus name. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the witness of your spirit. Thank you for the love wherewith you love us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Knowing, Father, that we act ungodly, we talk ungodly, we live ungodly. Ah, yet your love is so strong that even our wickedness can't stop your worthiness. Thank you on today for every heart that you've touched, every life that has been impacted. And Lord, I extend this simple prayer for those who do not know Jesus Christ as Savior that Lord, you will allow them in this moment to follow me, that they will say, Heavenly Father, I come in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge you are God and Jesus is your son. I admit I am a sinner and I ask you, Heavenly Father, to forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and he died for my sins. I believe he rose to give me a right to eternal life. Heavenly Father, I receive Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Lord, I also pray for sons and daughters, brothers and sisters alike who are right now on a sea. They're, they're in a, a loud place. God, they're in a disruptive place. They're in an uneasy place. God, I ask you to speak peace to their storm, speak, speak peace to their situation, their circumstance, whatever it is, whomever it might include. Father, speak peace that we can hear your voice. Father, I, I don't even, I can't even imagine 
how comforting the rebuke of Christ was. That upon the sea calming down and him rebuking, where is your faith? Oh God, I can't imagine how comforting it was to hear his, his voice without the wind whistling in their ears, without the rain pouring down. Oh God, I can't imagine how comforting it was to hear his voice fresh. So Father, speak, Lord. Thy servants hear. Speak, Lord. Thy servants shall obey. Father, bless our life in you. Use us for your glory. We lift Alfred Jackson before you right now, wherever he is. It's, it's, it's 2 or 3 p.m. in the afternoon at this point where he is. Even though it's early morning here, lift him up right now, Father. Oh, God, thank you, Lord, for taking him there safely. Thank you for the day's journeys that he's already had. Thank you for the journeys that are in front of him. And thank you for safe travel back home and that all will be well when he arrives. God, thank you today for the witness of your word. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Beloved of God, thank you again for joining us uh, for Tabernacle of Praise worship experience. We love you on today and we look forward to engaging with you in the future. Until we meet again, may the Lord God bless you and keep you. Grace and peace. Well, that brings us to the end of the message for today. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world through this podcast. Our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.